Hey, 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 everybody. Today for you, podcast number 74. Today's podcast is titled, Everyone Can Do These Five Things. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Lombardi, and sitting next to me is the lovely Sandy Lombardi. Hello. (laughs) And this is the Limitless Life Network, where we flesh out the limitations that are preventing you from reaching your goals and living the life that you were called to lead. And last week's podcast, I think, was a pretty big hit. What do you think? Yeah, we had a lot of questions that came in privately about um, eating carnivore. Yeah, that was uh, that was cool. It was really cool. And uh, uh, Sandy actually recorded, well, we recorded together. She was the uh, the sole person in front of the camera yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we put it on the YouTube channel, uh, how to make bone broth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took her like two minutes to make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, check it out if you're interested in all in learning the the simple recipe of making bone broth and uh, super delicious and really nutritious. So, um, yeah. So thank you for being listeners. Thank you for liking, following, sharing, uh, subscribing. Uh, I know I had a couple of people said that they shared last week's uh, podcast with uh, a bunch of their friends. Mm-hmm. So that's super cool. Mm-hmm. And if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We love having you here. And um, so, yeah, that's great. So let's get on with the show. And we've got some more cool things for you this week. And I think these are actionable items. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, we titled it, Everyone Can Add These Five Things. I had another title that was, uh, according to the title analyzer, a better <laughs> title to use but it kind of came off as a negative spin. So I didn't want to use that, neither did Sandy. We like to stay positive. So, um, yeah, uh, the backstory is there's not a lot of backstory, except I think last week I digested a lot of different um, uh, content. I, I digested a lot of resource, and I went through and, I don't know, I just every once in a while I, I fill my brain with a ton of new research and, and uh, information, and I... I'm, I love to purvey. I love to pass mm-hmm. it on after I've run it through my filter. And hopefully I boil it down and break it down into something that's more meaningful and simple uh, because sometimes you can get overwhelmed with too much information. Right. <clears throat> okay. So what's our first one? Uh, number one was get outside for the morning and evening sun. Okay. Well, that seems like very generic, right? But here's here's the reason why. And we're going to talk about this with point number two as well. Um, the morning and evening sun is much different than the midday sun. And it has to do with the color spectrum of light. And in the morning sun, the um, the rays of the sun are more in the uh, red and orange range. And that's why we see those beautiful sunsets and those and the beautiful sunrises. And that's the best time for us to look into the sun without any sunglasses or anything else. Um, it's not damaging to your eyes if you look into the sun in the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. 
And the reason is, is it's very good for our eyes to get the photons directly from the sun. Now, I will say that you do not get the same um, photon delivery to your eyes looking through glass. So if you look out the window in the morning and you see a sunrise and you stare at the sunrise, that's all well and good, but you're not getting the photon transmission into your eyes. Okay. And the same thing in the evening. So that's critical and it really helps with our brain's physiology and our brain really, really needs to see that morning sun and that evening sun to set our circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that in point number two. And that influences our hormones. It can influence our sleep. It can influence um, all kinds of different functions in the body. But it is a very simple hack for anybody to do. And did you see how long it, they recommended? Like 10 minutes or? Well, I mean, <laughs> until it gets too bright, yeah. I mean, if you can do it for, you know, 30 minutes, that's fantastic. But if it, even if it's just for five or 10 minutes, it's better than staying inside and not getting mm -hmm. it at all. It makes me think back. There's been seasons where I've had the time and I've gone out for a walk early morning as the sun was coming up and didn't realize it at the time, but super, I think, um, made me feel connected, you know, with God and nature. And, um, there was a lot behind it that I didn't even realize. Yeah. It, 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 it's the, one of the reasons that you feel that calmness and that soothing of, of watching the sun come up through its whole cycle of, of sunrise is just that very thing is that those photons reach into our brain and stimulate it in such a way that that's what we need. We're, we're created to, to see that. So okay. in our modern world, uh, we have kind of remove that from the equation of our daily life. Mm -hmm. And so you can simply add it back in. Yep. Okay. okay. So that's that's the whole purpose of this. It's much easier to add things into your life than it is to take them away. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to point number two. Which is block the blue light. Block the blue light. Well, <laughs> we've all, well, a lot of people have heard of blue light blockers, right? Mm -hmm. Blue light glasses. Blue mm -hmm. light glasses. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. Because of those different wavelengths, it's important to understand that at different parts of the day, our, our eyes are designed to take a certain amount of light. And in the Northeast here, we tend to look out, look at light early in the morning via television, via a phone, via um, a computer screen, and also in the evening we do that. And those are the times when we need to be getting more of the red light. And so that uh, light that's being transmitted to our eyes at those times of the day is really not good for our circadian rhythms. It's really not good for our sleep patterns. And what you, I'm going to recommend that everybody does is that anybody that's looking at a, a phone, a television, um, a Kindle, and you're looking at that early in the day or toward the end of your day, you should go out and get a pair of blue light blocker glasses, and you should get the red. There's different prescriptions. And I'm going to recommend that you go to uh, uh, the website blockbluelight.com, and they have either yellow lenses or red lenses. So the red lenses are meant to be worn in the morning and the evening, okay. and the yellow lenses in the middle of the day if you're in front of a screen. 
And I learned that all blue light glasses are not created equal because I had ordered the kids some last Christmas on Amazon and we can't tell whether they're red, yellow. Yeah, most of the Amazon ones that you buy that are blue light blockers don't block any blue light, unfortunately, or they block very minimal amounts. So it's much more worth it to spend the money on the better ones that actually work and mm -hmm. serve the purpose that you want. Plus, I, I looked at the website and there's some pretty stylish glasses there. So highly recommend that. Um, we're in the process of ordering ours. So there you go. That brings us to point number three. Three. Pay attention to your feet. Well, that's Taking a weird a different one. different twist. Here. Yeah, we're going from the eyes to the feet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Now, anybody that's ever had foot problems knows that it hurts every time you step on your foot. And sometimes even when you're not even stepping on your foot, it hurts. But those of us that don't necessarily have any acute symptomatic problems with our feet probably have weak feet and they don't, and we don't even know it. And that's because most of our, uh, our entire lives, we walk around on hard level surfaces mm -hmm. of you know, floors. And in our house, we have tile, we have hardwood, and we have some carpet. But uh, by and large, everything is flat and everything is hard. And over time, that causes your feet to get weaker. It puts more and more stress on the ligaments in your feet. But even worse than all of that is that it puts very poor input as far as what's called proprioception into your brain. Mm -hmm. And proprioception is the brain's awareness of your body and the position of your body in time and space. So how important is to know where you put your hand, where you put your foot, and how you control it? And you're, you may think, well, that I don't even realize that my I don't have strong feet, and you probably don't. Um, but if you've ever walked around outside barefoot and you normally don't walk outside barefoot, your feet are probably very tender. And if you walk on uneven ground, it probably feels very awkward and sometimes even painful for you. And that's probably because your feet are weak. So... This brought along, go ahead. Well, would that also um, indicate like if you have poor ankle strength, that would be right brought about because of lack of proprioception? And, yes. And, okay. That's 100%. If you, if you twist your ankles easily, you more than likely have weak feet or very poor proprioception. Okay. Um, when I was in, in chiropractic college, um, we had a professor there, uh, Dr. Russ Abbotts. And Dr. Ross Abbotts, uh, I, I see him periodically still to this day, uh, was a coach uh, as well as a doctor. And he coached basketball and he coached track and field and um, mostly track and field. And he's very well known in that circle. Um, but he talked about uh, foot drills for his athletes. And by introducing foot drills to a basketball team that, say, would have 80% ankle sprains during a season – or 80% of the kids are spraining their ankle mm -hmm. by the, you know, the next year after in implementing foot drills, they brought it down to 5%. So it's an, a significant thing that you can do to increase proprioception and strength of the feet. And I think you're probably going to ask me about that, weren't you? Well, I just, I know you've got Grace doing some work on a pole. Like it's... Um, oh yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. So foot drills are, are, are simple. Anybody can do these and it's best done outside, but if it's winter time and there's snow on the ground, you probably don't want to do it outside because you should do them barefoot, but you can do them in your own home, uh, with your socks on, um, uh, basically walk on your toes, uh, for 25, 30 steps and then walk on your heels for 25 or 30 steps and then walk on the outsides of your feet 
walk on the insides of your feet, which is very awkward to do. Walk with your toes pointed in and walk with your toes pointed out. And if you do that periodically, you know, three or four times a week, you will develop more strength in your feet and you will also develop more brain body awareness of the lower part of your body. And we do have a lot of friends that um, their girls dance, and I know they've been talking about lots of issues with their feet. So these would be good tips for them to work on at home. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think there was something else I wanted to mention about the about the feet. Oh, your your feet also influence your posture. I don't know if you knew that. Didn't know that. Yeah, so what ends up happening is as you um, – lose an arch in a foot, then your knee rolls in and Mm. then your hip kicks out and you continue to walk like that. And then your pelvis shifts, your spine shifts and everything shifts, including your head, because our brains are programmed to always keep your eyes gazing evenly on the horizon. And so whatever it takes, whatever starts to break down in the mechanical chain from your foot to your eyes your brain will adapt and it will change the tension and tone of the muscles that hold your posture. Mm-hmm. And, and posture is a learned neurologic response. So you, you can't really change somebody's posture unless you change the underlying neurology. And oftentimes that's one of the ways we shift people's posture is by working first with the feet mm-hmm. to get the posture to change. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you do that. So, <clears throat> yeah. And that brings us to point number... Point number five. Can I even... Oh, wait. No, number four. Number four. Your environment. (laughs) We're going to talk about the environment that you're in. Yeah. So um, your environment is is where your body is at any given moment. So we are in the uh, Limitless Life Network podcast (laughs) studio environment right now. So we're sitting on something hard. We've got microphones in front of us. We've got these lights shining down on us and uh, looking at a camera. So that's our environment right now. And when we first started doing this, it made us a little nervous mm-hmm. and it had caused our our nervous system to react in a certain way. We're both much more calm in front of a camera with a microphone in front of us. And uh, because of that, um, you know, it's changed our nervous system. So we've adapted to this environment True. and that's exactly what you do. You adapt to your environment, Mm -hmm. every environment that you're in. So the question is, is your environment good for you or is it not good for you? That's really the basic question here. And let me give you an example. We know uh, a friend of ours who, well, there are two friends, a a couple (laughs) that we're friends with, who recently took in a foster child. And this foster baby was born into a very difficult situation, Mm -hmm. a very uh, non-nurturing environment and was not doing well. Uh, Very, very small because the baby was not being fed well, uh, not being taken care of well, and just in a state of like... Sympathetic, fight or flight. Fight or flight. Right. (laughs) And then the baby was brought to our friends because they took this child in to raise it. And lo and behold... Within no time at all, because the home environment is loving, caring, clean, nurturing, mm-hmm. um, you know, great food, you know, you name it. The baby's got everything. The baby is thriving, putting on weight. Didn't they say it was like 24 hours? I really 
like I was like, wow, that's really amazing when you think just how critical the environment is. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, with a newborn baby, 24 hours can make all the difference in the world, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, uh, she, well, the baby was what? Mm, how old when? I think four weeks or okay. five weeks, but only for like five pounds. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's doing fantastic mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the environment you're in, it could be for us adults at work, um, whether it's a challenging environment and your brain is being stimulated or if is it so routine, you're doing the same thing day in and day out and there's very little stimulation, like that's not um, probably a productive environment for you. Your home, is it peaceful or is there tension and, and fighting? Um, all of those things are important to look at. Yeah. And I think for many of us, our environments are not stimulating. In other words, we're not working on trying to grow. We're just kind of kicking the can and we're just doing the same things day in and day out. It becomes very routine, um, especially with adults, mm-hmm. right? So um, that brings us to point number five, and I will not ask you to try to pronounce <laughs> this. So, Thank you. Um, I, point number five comes from a podcast that I listen to periodically uh, called the Huberman Lab Podcast. And uh, uh, Dr. Huberman is a neuroscientist, and he interviewed a very famous, pretty famous guy today named David Goggins, who's mm-hmm. a Navy SEAL. He's known for being an ultra uh, marathon mm-hmm. runner, um, but he's most known for what? He just does everything hard. It's right. Like, so that's the like harder his, the challenge. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, that's that's I have his, read one of his books. Yeah, that's his thing is he always tells people stay hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's his thing. Um, but Dr. Huberman listened to David Goggins tell a story for about an hour and he said, I've got something to share with you. Mm-hmm. And in, this was exciting. And I'm driving along and I'm like getting all excited myself because I I, I geek out to this stuff. And he mentioned a structure in the brain called the anterior mid-cingulate cortex. And this is a brain structure. So it's a physical thing. And, and Dr. Huberman described it as that's a noun, that's no big deal, but the verb is what's important. What does it do? And he, let me just read you what, what he said. He said that human data shows that people do something, when people do something that they don't want to do, this brain area gets bigger. So when we do things that we don't want to do, this part of our brain grows. Um, the anterior mid-cingulate cortex is small and obese people. It gets bigger when they diet. And it's larger in athletes, and it is especially large and grows larger in people that see themselves as challenged and overcome some challenge. In people who live a very long time, this area seems to keep its size. Scientists view the um, anterior mid-cingulate cortex as not just the seat of willpower, but actually the seat of the will to live. And we can build up this area, but as quickly as we can build it up, when we stop investing in doing something, doing the things that are hard for us, it begins to shrink. Powerful. So I, I think what I like about, what I love about this is that there's a direct correlation with how hard you're really pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. And it really speaks to me about that feeling of like we get to these states of comfort and that's exactly when we start to degrade and our lives start to go downhill 
but we're comfortable so we don't even notice it. And it happens gradually. It happens subtly. And the next thing you know, it's 10 years later and you just can't do what you used to do. And you just don't feel as good as you used to feel Mm -hmm. because you're not doing things that are hard anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. It made me think we came back from our trip to Colorado and um, it looks like we may be um, helping Nate and Sam and taking care of Brooks um, on a fairly regular basis. And I was super excited. And then the reality set in a little bit. And I said to Pete, this is going to be really kind of time consuming and hard to juggle. And I'm like, that's what I wanted. And why am I feeling that way? And he's like, I really thrive when things are hard. It's going to be great. Now, it's funny. That was before we even stumbled upon this this week. And it's true. Like, I think human nature, we can start to get in a rhythm where, okay, it's starting to get a little, I, I have things under control. And then, but I always I want these new things. And then when the realities are coming, I, I get a little bit like, oh, but it's to push through that and uh, really embrace the next challenging thing in your life and constantly growing. Yeah. And so what ends up happening though, is that things that are hard eventually will become easy, mm-hmm. but don't be like, oh, I did the hard thing and I'm done. Right. Because that's when that anterior mid-cingulate cortex begins to shrink now. That was the point I think he was making to David Goggins. Like he he achieved these hard things, but they were no longer hard to him. So he had to find the next thing. Yeah. And he's constantly reminding himself that there's still things that are hard. Mm-hmm. And you still got to go find those hard things to do. Right. And and I I realize it's taken me a long time, but I realize that I do best when I have something that I really have to work hard at. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that you guys will too, because your your brain is going to develop better pathways. But the anterior mid-cingulate cortex is not only an area that's going to speak to your longevity, but it's a sign of whether you're really living or dying. Mm, great. Yeah. So that's all we have for this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. Be sure to tune in each and every week so you can stay connected, be inspired, and keep moving toward your best life by stripping away your limitations. And we will see you next week. Have a great one. 